This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. I'd like to start out by noting a couple of things. First of all, there's going to be a fundraiser for KZFR in Chico, taking place at 7.30 today. We'll uh, return to that later. You're going to have to make a decision pretty quickly if you want to head up there. And here, from America's foremost political comic live, Mr. Will Durst, and one of America's great political thinkers, Michael Parenti, both of whom have appeared on this program many times, and I think should produce a most entertaining evening for a good cause, raising funds for our sister station up in Chico, KZFR. We also want to note that uh, this Friday, October 28th, at the Avid Reader in Davis, Sherry Labidus will be talking about the book which she discussed on this program, You Came Here to Die, Didn't You? We refer you to our archives for our interview with Sherry about her experiences as a civil rights worker in the Deep South as that difficult battle was fought. Hopefully we'll hear from Sherry before uh, the show's over, but uh, we do think that also would be worth your while to check out. Let's begin today's program, however, as we like to do, with on this date in history. Our date in question is the 27th of October. It was on October 27th in the year 312 at the famed Battle of the Milvian Bridge a few miles north of Rome when Constantine slayed the Roman Emperor Maxentius and became emperor himself. Legend tells us that Constantine saw a vision of a cross in the heavens and the words, Conquer by this. Constantine swore that that if he prevailed that day, he would convert to Christianity, since obviously this was a sign from the heavens, and a Christian one at that. Constantine did, in fact, keep his word. Christianity went from being a somewhat persecuted minority religion in Rome to the thing to be. In many people's view, this makes Constantine the third most influential person in the history of Christianity after Jesus himself and St. Paul. On this date in 1873, Illinois farmer Joseph Glidden applied for a patent on his clever new device called barbed wire. This invention would forever change the face of the American West, and a whole lot of other places on Earth, too. On October 27, 1954, Walt Disney's first television series, Disneyland, premiered on ABC. The show ran for 34 years under various names, and it was the longest-running primetime series on American network television. And on a very tense day, October 27, 1962, negotiations between the U.S. and the Soviet Union finally resulted in a plan to end the two-week-old Cuban Missile Crisis, probably the closest moment we ever came to nuclear annihilation as both sides were giving serious thought to using the nuclear weapons they had pointed at one another. Our quote today comes from Conan O'Brien, who said a few days back, yesterday, President Obama's teleprompter was stolen. Police are on the lookout for a thief that's eloquent and spreading a message of hope. Our quote of the day also comes from Conan O'Brien, who said, President Obama was back in Los Angeles today where he will appear on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno to highlight the one job that's been saved during his administration. All right, our joke of the day is as follows. An out-of-towner drives his car into a ditch. Luckily, a local farmer comes along to help with his big, strong horse. 
He hitches his horse Buddy up to the car and yells, Pull, Nelly, pull! Buddy doesn't move. Then he hollers, Pull, Buster, pull! Buddy still doesn't respond. Then the farmer nonchalantly says, Pull, Buddy, pull! And the horse easily drags the car out of the ditch. The motorist was appreciative, but curious. He asked why he went and called the horse by the wrong name twice. Well, he said, Buddy's blind. If he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try. horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, that is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse, he'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always honest. All right, our stat of the day, and this one's a beaut. You know, you always hear those stats about how if you invested X amount of money in the stock market, how rich you'd be later. Well, according to the Journal of Investing, part of the Harvard Business Review, a $1 investment in the S&P 500 index in the year 2000 was worth 91 cents by 2010. This followed the worst decade in stock market history. By the way, our bonus stat is that 54% of Americans say they have a positive view of the Occupy Wall Street movement, while just 23% have a negative view. By comparison, 27% have a positive view of the Tea Party, while 65% say the movement has had a negative effect on politics. By the way, we think a lot of good is continuing to come out of the Occupy Wall Street movement. It's causing a lot of, uh, of attention to be focused on the fact that, well, certain people did crash the economy three years ago and haven't been a whole lot of changes since then in how we do things, and no one seems to have gone to jail. Well, correction. Not to suggest there, there may be some uh, favoritism going on in who is getting prosecuted, but apparently... A, one, at least one billionaire got sentenced. Raj Rajaratnam was sentenced to 11 years in prison, the longest term ever imposed for insider trading. He was the former head of a hedge fund, the Galleon Group. He was convicted last May of securities fraud and the conspiracy in a probe that resulted in more than two dozen convictions. Chrissy would note in yesterday's Sacramento Bee article by Azam Ahmed and Ben Protest from the New York Times reprinted in the Bee, noted that federal prosecutors are expected to file criminal charges against Rajat K. Gupta, the most prominent business executive ensnared in an aggressive insider trading investigation. Gupta was former director of Goldman Sachs and Procter & Gamble and the longtime head of McKinsey & Company, an elite consulting firm. Gupta was under investigation of whether he leaked corporate secrets to Raj Rajaratnam, the hedge fund manager sentenced this month to 11 years in prison. Now, does anyone besides me find it odd that two guys they are popping on Wall Street are named Rajat Gupta and Raj Rajaratnam? Because it just, it just strikes me that the probability that Indian guys are the ones causing trouble on Wall Street, uh, well, it just, that, that just seems a little far-fetched. All right, let's take a slight digression into uh, the area of suspect science. I noted that Scientific American magazine, which I think has been somewhat more politically neutral than our good friends over at New Scientist, at least in terms of criticizing American politicians. But even Scientific American had to put a couple blurbs in there under the heading of suspect science based on the comments of two different Republican presidential nominees, starting with Rick Perry, who said... The idea that we'd put Americans' economy at jeopardy based on scientific theory that's not settled yet, to me, is nonsense. And if you're uh, checking out what's being said about global warming in New Scientist and Scientific American, you would see that, um, well, it's a theory in the way that gravity's a theory. 
New scientist notes that there's things about gravitation we don't understand, but that uh, that being the case, it's probably still not a good idea to jump off of a very high building. But likewise, Scientific American, under the heading of suspect science, had to put a quote from Michelle Bachman, which was, little girls who have a negative reaction to this potentially dangerous drug don't get a do-over. Known to the magazine, this was Republican presidential candidate Bachman overstating the risks from a vaccine against human papillomavirus. Speaking of that topic, we called for the vaccination of not just girls, but boys on this program about a year ago. And it looks as though the CDC has decided that, well, that, that sounds like a good idea. Now, uh, this virus is implicated in, uh, in, in throat cancers, as well as cervical cancers and anal cancers. And it would seem that we can prevent these conditions by inoculating people against the virus. In the article by Gardner Harris in the New York Times, it also referred to Michelle Bachman of Minnesota falsely suggesting that this vaccine causes mental retardation. It should be noted that HPV infection is the most common sexually transmitted disease and that 75 to 80 percent of people in America will be infected at some point. Most of us, however, will overcome the infection with no ill effects. And of course, if you can vaccinate people before they become sexually active, then you reduce their chances of having these subsequent cancers. This is a good idea, and I'm glad uh, the CDC has gone ahead with this, and I hope that the states will now follow suit and see that various health agencies in our 50 states will proceed with this. All right, and speaking of junk science, uh, how about this headline from Fox News? Strong evidence, life spread by comets, astronomers say. The article then goes on to talk about how NASA, NASA's Spitzer Space Telescope has found some warm dust surrounding the star Eta Corvi. They think the dust of the, the type that they're seeing, which does occur in about 1% of stars, comes from some crushed up rocks from a couple of asteroids smashing into one another. However, Eta Corvi's dust showed quite a bit of water and carbon compounds in it. Of course, if you go ahead and read the whole article, which we did, you'll find out there's nothing in it that says that there's strong evidence that life is spread by comets, no matter what kind of headline Fox may place on the story. But let's face it, folks, if Fox News was going to only put headlines out there that corresponded to the actual facts in the story, well, they'd have a lot fewer headlines, wouldn't they? By the way, that opinion, like all the ones heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California none of whom, as far as we know, advocate that life came to Earth from comets. Even if that does remain kind of an intriguing idea. By the way, we're going to talk about columnists in our second segment. Uh, let's talk about one from Eugene Robinson from this Monday. Said Robinson, for the clueless or cynical diehards who deny global, global warming, it's getting awfully cold out there. The latest icy blast of reality comes from an eminent scientist whom the climate change skeptics one lauded as one of their own. Richard Muller, a respected physicist at the University of California, Berkeley, who we would hasten to add was a previous Radio Parallax guest, and we talked about this, used to dismiss alarmist climate research as being, quote, polluted by political and alarmist frenzy, unquote. Frustrated by what he considered shoddy science, Muller launched his own comprehensive study to set the record straight. Instead, said Robinson, the record set him straight. Muller last week wrote in the Wall Street Journal, global warming is real. Adding, when we began our study, we felt that skeptics had raised legitimate issues and we didn't know what we'd find. 
our results turned out to be close to those published by prior groups. We think that means that those groups have been truly careful in their work, despite their inability to convince some skeptics of that. In other words, said Robinson's, the deniers claim about the alleged sloppiness or fraudulence of climate science are wrong. I think we're going to have to bring Richard Mueller back on this program again, because uh, we talked to him. He didn't say he thought this was, was not going on. He just didn't think that the critics had made their case. Well, now he's looked at it himself, and he's convinced they're right. I think this will change any minds over on the, uh, the global warming denier set. Well, I'd say uh, don't hold your breath. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for getting the most out of your one phone call. After the release of an Android app called I'm Getting Arrested, which (laughs) lets users press a single icon to notify friends and family that they're being hauled off to jail. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for administrative decisions with the news that the Evergreen Park High School in Illinois announced that students would be allowed to leave class to go to the bathroom only three times per semester. Apparently, students who need to go more often than that will have to make up class time after school. Finally, it was an ugly week last week for the dwarf planet Eris. Yes, apparently the discovery of Eris, another Kuiper Belt object, which is thought to be slightly larger than Pluto, contributed to Pluto's downfall as a planet. Last November, astronomers realized that Eris was going to pass directly in front of a distant star, and by using different reference points on Earth, we're able to determine that, well, it's perhaps slightly smaller than Pluto. They thought it was bigger because apparently it has a very bright surface. Unfortunately for Pluto, this does not mean it's likely to be bumped back up into the real planet status anytime soon. But the controversy will continue, and we will continue to follow it. We would refer you to our archives for our discussion on that very topic with astronomer Neil deGrasse Tyson. And in what is surely a bit of good news, it appears that they're going to revisit the subject of Cosmos, that wonderful series by Carl Sagan. They're going to update it, and hosting it will be Neil deGrasse Tyson. According to Sky and Telescope magazine, Tyson met Carl Sagan as a youth considering where to go to college. Sagan apparently gave the wide-eyed teenager a personal tour of his lab. In later years, Tyson's been unabashedly trying to fill Sagan's big empty shoes and educating the public about astronomy. We're really looking forward to that one. All right, we've got a couple of minutes left here, and uh, as I mentioned at the top of the program, we have something to plug. That would be the appearance by Sherry Labidus at our local Avid Reader bookstore in Davis. So um, welcome back to Radio Parallax, Sherry. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, tell, me, tell us a little bit about this event. You're going to be doing a, a reading? I'm going to be doing a talk with a little bit of a reading, yes. Okay. Remind us of the name of the book. You came here to die, didn't you? Registering black voters one soul at a time. South Carolina, 1965. All right, well, let's tell people where it's going to be. The Avid Reader is on 2nd Street in Davis. It looks yes, like number 617. Yes. And, and it's at 730? Yes, October 28th. Well, yes, remind people, it is, it's, it's tomorrow, Friday. Yes. And I guess this is like any other uh, typical talk and reading where the author comes in and, and the public is uh, welcome. Absolutely. As many as we can get there. 
Well, Sherry, I'm sure we will get a good turnout for that. I certainly hope so. We enjoyed talking to you about the book, and, and we'll have to uh, give you some follow-up as to how that all goes, because I know you do a lot of public speaking. I do, and I want to do more. Well, again, the book is You Came Here to Die, Didn't You? And we refer people to uh, our previous chat, Sherry, on Radio Parallax, radioparallax.com. People can find that and listen to it, and I'm sure they wouldn't want to do that as well. I hope so. Thank you. I look forward to seeing everybody Friday night. All righty. <laughs> <laughs>